0: Plus,
1: recorded live. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for yet another edition of Let's Run's Track Talk, our first in a number of months, months, the first edition, post-paternity break. This is your fearless host, Robert Johnson. Yes, folks, maybe hard to believe, but I am a father. And I want to start the show by saying, well, if my son's out there listening, love you. I don't really know if he's listening at less than two months of age but um folks whatever they say you know they say that women sometimes when they give birth and they come back and they're better athletes i totally totally believe it my goodness the birthing experience out of this world very intense so excited to be here guys um finally got the week that was out we're joined today by the let's run co-founder weldon johnson and Jonathan galt uh, guys I finally got the uh, week that was off after two months of not doing it. And when I was doing it, I'm like, I've missed so much stuff. I mean, in December and January, literally, my baby was born at the beginning of December. And I was probably like the casual fan that sort of comes to Let's Run maybe every other day and sort of scans the headlines. I really was barely on the message board. I'm like, so much action happened in December. I mean, normally, December is nothing's going on, but we had a European record in the marathon. We had Footwalker NXN, a lot of great stuff. And then even January has been pretty good with a world record in the 60 and all sorts of stuff. So I'm like, we need to talk about that. But then as this week's been going on and we've got the previews up, I mean, the Super Bowl Sunday is obviously in two days. But tomorrow is, we're calling it Super Saturday. What action? Camel City Elite, Milrose Games, USA Cross Country, and, of course, the idea of World Tour starts in Germany. So we're going to start with that. We're going to start about this weekend. Um, we've got boots on the ground in New York City. At the Milrose press conference, so why don't we start that? Well then, Jonathan, welcome to the program. Well then, you're in New York. What are you most excited about for
2: Milrose? Um, I mean, most excited about
3: uh,
2: probably the 800, right? But none of those guys were at the press conference. Millrose is most known for the Watermaker Mile. So at the press conference, did the, 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 they had one for the women's Watermaker Mile? Chris, Kate, Grace. The one from the men's, Nick Willis, who's trying to win Wanamaker for his first time ever. Um, so they were the two. And then they had a few others, uh, Josh Kerr, Robbie Andrews, Ben Blankenship. They were there sort of that you could talk to one-on-one. So from a promotion standpoint, that's the one they focus on. But I think the men's 800 is – a more interesting matchup, but they're both going to be great races. I mean, the Wanamaker's wide open and
3: the 800, you got career razor and Murphy going head to head to head. So wh- where do we begin? Uh, well, John, you're the one that wrote the preview on let's run
1: about the 800. Who do you see as the favorite? I know uh, Clayton Murphy's got the, um, you know, the Olympic medal. But it it seems to me that he's definitely not the favorite.
0: What do you think? Yeah, I don't think if you run two races this year and you haven't broken 150 in either of them, I don't think you can be in the favorite in a field this good. So I'm I'm writing off Murphy, not, you know, for the rest of the year, but in this race, yes. Uh, I think it comes down to either Donovan Brazier, who is the reigning U.S. outdoor champion, he uh, has run fairly, you know. He's run a couple under and over distance races so far this year. You know, he ran, I think, 46.9 in the 400, and he broke four minutes on the mile for the first time in December. This is his first 800. Uh, I would expect him to do pretty well. He looks to be, you know, those are pretty solid results <laughs> for off events for him. So I think he's uh, a good pick. But then you've got Emmanuel Correa, who was just, you know a total sensation as a freshman last year. You know, we saw Brazier run 143.55 when he was a true freshman in 2016 and thought, wow, well, we're not going to see that again anytime soon. Emmanuel Correa comes out and he runs – not only does he run 143 in the NCAA season and win NCAAs indoors and outdoors, he goes to Monaco and runs 143.1. He ends up as the world leader in the 800 last year um, as a freshman in college. And now he's a professional, Uh, you know, this is his first race of 2018, so we don't know quite what to expect. But, you know, if he's been working out with Michael Saruni, who uh, has been tearing up the NCAA scene so far, you know, it stands to reason Curry is probably pretty fit as well. I think, to me, you know, it comes down to uh, which one of those guys can, I guess, get out and dictate the race. And that's something that Brazier has been – you know, a little shy to do, I think, or hesitant to do at times. Um, though he was, he was better as it, better at it last year in his first year as a pro than he was in 2016. But, you know, there are 10 guys in this race. And so if you're not in good position early, you know, you pass 200 meters, then you've got three laps to go, and it's it's hard to pass a lot of guys in an indoor 800, especially with all the bodies on the track. So to me, I would say, and Courier also hasn't been a, a – fantastic you know tactical runner in his career so you know getting out won't be easy for him either but he's also got the speed i think he can just if he gets to the front quickly and just holds on the whole time i think that's how how he should win that race but then you've also got drew Windle, who's been running pretty well and uh kyle langford was fourth at world last year which is higher than anyone else in this field he's only uh i think he turns 22 years old today so he's another big young talent in this event. So it's really, it should be a fantastic race. So if I had to pick one person, I'd go out with
2: Korea. I mean, Korea, you know, we act like, oh, he ran internationally last year, kind of. I mean, he's number two in the world in our rankings. So, I mean, he's definitely the man to beat him in paper. But Donovan Brazier is a great runner, great indoor runner as well. So I think they're sort of on paper heads, heads and shoulders above anyone else. I'm very intrigued by Brazier with sort of the over and under distance this year. Looks like he's really ready to sort of give it a go. And I think, you know, these guys are going to run fast. Uh, sort of, you know, the 146.5 world standard is there. Um, so I, I assume Milrose will have rabbits. I, I didn't hear what the pacing was for the 800, but in the mile, they have a rabbit. But Brazier and Career both probably could do it on their own. I mean, they don't mind going out there and doing it. So, but, I, you know, I think with a rabbit and a hot pace, this race is going to be spectacular.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, like, I guess my take on it would be I mean, John, you seem to be very worried about the positioning early. I mean, I think if there's a rabbit, it's going to be fast. So that wouldn't worry me as much. I mean, 10 people on an indoor 800 to me is absurd. I put, I added it to the preview. They better start this thing in, in lanes. Have, have four people share lanes, that'll be eight, and then two people have a single lane. I would honestly give a single lane to Career and and, and Brazier because um, they're they're fast starters and just let them get out because you're going to have a rabbit, so maybe, you know, th- that would be the case. But, you know, back in, even in my coaching days, I always thought that, you know, people worry about tactics, and, yeah, it's important, but the 800 almost always opens up. It always opens up, I would say, outdoors. Indoors, I'd say still 90% of the time. So I don't think the tactics are going to be as big of an issue. It's just going to be who's really the fittest. Um, you know, and looking at it, you know, last year, actually, you're, you're the only thing that makes you worried about picking career for the win, and that's why I think he's going to win it. I think he's a slightly, you know, he's just insane. He went 143-1 last year. But... Um, the only thing that makes me a little bit worried is he hasn't raced at all. But then I'm looking at his stats from last year. He opened up at 146.5 last year in Nashville. So I, I think, you know, and he's got Michael Cerrone as a training partner, I, I believe. So, you know, and in that race, second place was actually Cerrone last year, 147.94. So he won by almost a second and a half, opened up very fast. So, you know, he is definitely my pick to win. One thing about the um, the preview – I said Jonathan wrote it. I did edit and add some things, and I'm wondering if I'm having a little W E I I moment or W E E I John. It's a Patriots fan. Uh, there's been some controversy in Patriots world. John's a huge Patriots fan. The host had to apologize for calling Tom Brady's uh, daughter a piss ant, and I'm wondering if I need to apologize. Uh, Weldon read the PV this morning. seemed a little upset that I said it would be a better matchup if we didn't think Murphy was willing to embarrass himself. We're likely to embarrass himself. And Weldon's like, you know, when a runner's trying their hardest, they're not embarrassing them themselves. So maybe that wasn't the correct language. I actually thought about it when I added that in. I was like, that's kind of harsh. But I'm like, people love Let's Run for being honest. I mean, he's not, you know, running great.
3: So... Um,
2: I, I understand you know, the that's... sentiment. You know, if it goes above 150, you know, I guess you could say it's embarrassing, but... You know, he's out there, he, he's giving it a go. I think there's a better way to put it. At the same time, you know, there's a lot of questions, sort of with back-to-back 150 runs. The first one, you don't think much of it because whatever. There's not a rabbit. It's a slow race. He won the race, right? Um, at least I think he won. Maybe he's second? He won the first, first race, yeah. He won the first one, right? And so, last week, maybe just whatever, a bad race. I talked to Robbie Andrews about that one. He, Robbie talked about, sort of, you know, he came down from altitude; was a bit flat, and then some. You know, something a little bit about the tactics. So he thought it mattered there. But you know, I think you're entitled to a, a couple bad races, and it's indoors. And he's got an Olympic medal, so he can run ten bad races. All uh, for all I care, and uh, and I still expect him to figure it out at some point. He's super young, super talented. Um. And, you know, last – but it is sort of interesting, right? Like, last year, he went from the glory at USA. So he jumped to the 800, 1500 double, then whipped off the track and didn't make worlds in either one of them. Um, got a lot of criticism for it, but I loved it. He went for it, you know. Um, so it's better for USA running if Clayton's running well. So I sort of hope he sort of bounces back. Um, I heard I heard another name today. Another 800-meter runner um, some people have forgotten about will be debuting next week. Do you guys have any idea who I'm I'm talking about? 2016
0: World Indoor Champion.
2: Yeah, Boris
0: Barian will be at the
2: Adidas meet in Boston. um, New Balance meet. What? New Balance meet? No, but it used to be be Adidas meet. My apologies, New Balance. The New Balance meet. I'm old school, you know, like... It's ING New York City Marathon, DCS New York City Marathon. Um, Excuse me, the New Balance meet in Boston. Um, So, you know, he he was world champ and didn't race at all last year. So that'll be interesting. The 800-meter ranks in the U.S. are just so stacked right now. I mean, Drew Wendell had a great season last year, and we're sort of barely talking about him right now because – you know, he doesn't look like – he's got to take a slight step up in class to contend with, with Brazier and um, career. And, I mean, uh, well, Murphy he might be able to beat right now. But, you know, it, it's it's the toughest event right now in America for sure on the distant side, I feel like.
1: Yeah. I'm going to be fascinated to see what uh, Marion does. I mean, he didn't race at all last year. I'm like, where is that guy? But good that he'll be back. Well, then um, – if you could somehow figure out how to embed, do another link. Right now, the only way people can call is if you want to listen, you have to dial 724 444 7434 because it takes you to the client you can only call in. I think there's another way to have a link where they can push the player. If you could find that and put it on the message board somehow.
2: Wait, what? People, having,
1: people having trouble listening, they don't know they have to call in. So they have to call in because there's no link to the player. So if you I could find a link to, the to that, that
2: player. I thought. Okay, I'll put the other link on there.
1: Um, that would be good. So anyway, if you're just joining us, we've been talking about the Milrose no 800. It seems to me prediction that we all are in agreement. Career's the man to beat. That's my pick. Jonathan Weldon.
0: Yep. I'm in the same boat.
3: Um, oh, sorry. So I think. Yeah. I think career, um, no, I would right here.
4: There you go.
1: Well, are going with the U.S. of A. But let's talk a little bit about some of these other races. I mean, we talked about the Wanamaker mile. We officially picked Willis, but when I was making that pick, I thought, am I just making this pick because I I want him to win? I feel like he deserves to have the Wanamaker title on his resume. I mean, when I look at these other names, first of all, Willis is very lucky that that, um, Edward Cheswick's not in this field because Cheswick already beat Willis pretty badly, at the end of December in, in a road mile in Honolulu. Now he's running 354 at 7,000 feet of altitude or 5,000 feet of altitude. I mean, Treasurer could certainly be in sub-350 mile shape. but he was in Mill Road, he would definitely be my pick. But Willis sends out a tweet, John, that you found, hey, I've been sick. Says he's going to be fine, but it makes me nervous. I don't really think I mean, these other names, you mentioned them, you know, Riley Masters or Merber or O'Hare maybe. I mean, hair, maybe could win this thing, but most of these guys, I don't think they could possibly beat him. When I look at this list and I'm like, who's going to beat Willis if he's not on top of his game? To me, one name stands out. Guess who I'm thinking of, John?
0: Well, you mentioned Josh Kerr, so I'm going to guess Josh Kerr.
1: No, oh, damn it. I-, I-, I tip my hat. Yes, Josh Kerr, I mean, to me, what a talent. I mean, he won NCAAs as a freshman. He's gotten a sick kick. Um, and he beat – didn't he beat Cheswick last year? <laughs> At NCAA's, wasn't that right? In the mile? Was Chesarek
0: in that race? That's right. Big upset. Cheserek had run 352. He'd just broken the NCAA mile record. And uh, Josh Kerr, this freshman that no one had heard of, comes in there and didn't just beat him. He, he laid the smack down. He absolutely destroyed him. over the lost 200 meters. Yeah. So to me,
1: the advantage of that race for Kerr was it was a championship race. It wasn't rabbited. I think the winning time was like. Four oh three. I'm that up, John.
0: No, I think it was right. It was you know right around four minutes, give or take. I think four oh three sounds about right. Four oh three point two two. What a freaking
1: mind I have, John. Anyway, I, I think so. in a tactical slow race. I mean, his speed is, is going to be pretty lethal. Um, you know, he's already run one forty eight point eight at altitude last week. Kerr did so. Uh, or January 20th, I guess that would be two weeks ago. So if, if it was a top legal championship race, uh, I would think, you know, maybe Willis can't change gears as quick at, at this age. But the fact that Millers is ravited, it may just make it a, a true test of fitness, which I would think would normally benefit Willis. But, hey, if we look at it, you know, a month ago, he didn't run great in the road mile. In, in December, I think he was like three or four seconds playing Cheswick. Only ran like four or three. Um, so, I'm a little bit nervous that Willis doesn't come through and, and get that maker title, but I'd I love to see him do it. But hey, if he doesn't, then Kerr is a real big deal. I mean, if Kerr's winning this, then, you know, look out. I mean, he's already uh, a big deal, but an even bigger phenomenon. Um, well, then, did Willis talk any bit about the illness today at, at the press conference, how he's been feeling, who he's looking at as a big rival in this race?
2: Yeah, so he had the flu for six days. Um, last week, which sounds terrible. Didn't run at all. Um, his wife just gave birth, I think three weeks ago. Um, so he's got a lot going on, but he really wants to win this race.
3: So that's why he's showing up. Um, so it's, you know, on
2: paper, you know, he's most credentialed, but he's never won this race. He's not a great indoor runner. He he, he sort of pointed that out. Thank you. Um, so I think, you know, can a guy who had the flu last week win this race? That's the big question. But overall, Nick was very pleased with his training. Um, he he's going to try to attempt the 1500 and the 5k double at Commonwealth Games. Um, and he said the distance training is really helping him. And so he had some interesting things. We're going to have this up, um, you know, we're going to upload a story about the press conference afterwards. But so Nick said he's fat. he's been doing 5K training. He's running like 100, 105 miles a week on six days. And he's like, you know, they asked him if he wanted to be a marathoner, this being the New York City Marathon.
4: So the event was
2: held, I will give a shout-out to New Balance now, at the New Balance NYRR Run Center. It's actually pretty cool to store on 57th Street between 8th and 9th Avenue. And um it's like, you know, running central of New York. I've never been there. Very cool. But, uh, you know, Nick, Nick said like, look, you did the math. That's almost comes out to 120 a, a week, which is, he said that magic number for marathoners. But the interesting thing he said was that his speed is better than it's ever been in December. And he said he did a 400 meter time trial and he went to 50.4. And he said, he's never that fast this type of year, this type of time of the year. And I said, how is that possible? And he said, Oh, now that I'm older, I think I actually do more weights. I used to back off when I had races and stuff. Now I do it year-round. Um, he thinks a lot of that stuff, weights and stuff, is overrated. But he says, I just do twice a week, 40 minutes. He's like, but this winter, I just did it no matter what. You know, no matter what was coming up. If I didn't feel well, I kept kept on it. So he thinks so that's the reason. Um, when he discussed the flu, he said he did a time trial this week. He was you know, kind of debating maybe not even coming. He did a time trial. Sometimes I'll we'll do an eight hundred. This time we did a six hundred. It went well. So he's here, you know, wants to win, obviously. Um I think well, no one well maybe one kind of field is won. I can't remember who's who's won won this race. You know, but outside of Willis, it then does become, you know, wide open. Will
0: Leah. Will Leah yeah. won this race in twenty fourteen. <laughs>
2: I was about to say Will Lear, then I'm like, what? Like, that can't be right. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I heard Will, Will 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 Lear won it, um, but, um, you know, I talked to Josh Kerr. He's like, yeah, you know, I I, I want to win. I race to win. Um, college kid. he had great success, and, you know, I was like, yeah. You do you think of these guys as better than you? And he's like, not when I raced them. Um, you know, some of them have Olympic medals, but. I'm I'm here to to compete. Um, I guess he, he wasn't selected for the Scottish team for co- Commonwealth. I don't know how that process works, John. But so he's totally focused on NCA season and this. It's his it's his first time in New York. You know, it's kind of it, we still for, sort of forget what he's like.
0: What, probably 21 years old, John? He's 20 years old. He was 19 20. for most most of the 2017
2: season. Wow, it's crazy young um we had another we had another 20 i was sitting you know we're going to segue here a bit and sort of jump around we had another 2120 20 year old at the press conference actually on the press conference vash ty cunningham um and i was seated two seats away from the great randall cunningham wow um uh, philadelphia Eagles super bowl weekend and he was a, he's a legend in Minnesota as well. People, I'm not sure, I think most people associate him with the Eagles, but his best season ever was the first one with the Vikings, I believe. Um, and so Randall's here, you know, he coaches his daughter. And I thought that was cool that he's here. And they're like, what, what are you doing here? Like, you, you know, you've got to be in the Super Bowl. And he's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to fly back. I was there earlier this week, but um, supporting Vashti, her first time at, at Millrose. Um, she said, you know, everybody's rooting for the Eagles. So, you know, but, you know, can a 20, 20 year old, you know, can he, can he beat this field first time out? Be a huge win for him. Um, talk to Robbie Andrews. Robbie had terrible race last week in, in the 800, uh, that Clayton Murphy ran. Austin ran over 150, I think. And Robbie said he's done an out his stint. In um, Flagstaff, that went well. He just was kind of surprised how poorly he raced, um, but he's hoping to hit the world the world's qualifying standard. Um, so the plan for the rabbits is to go fifty-seven, one fifty-six. Um, so that should <coughs> that should put them, or maybe two fifty-six. Anyway, that should put them. You know, they kick. They should hit the standard, which is what 355 something in the mile 355 flat 355 flat so everybody sort of has an outside eye on possibly running world indoors if they can qualify it um well nick's not doing it but you know a lot of the u.s guys sort of are doing it also talked to ben blankenship so this is interesting um i asked ben about the race he raced the race in new mexico versus chesaret uh, ben ran 4.01, Cheserick ran 3.54. I mean, that's just a trouncing, right? Seven seconds. It's just, I'm like, what, what, like, are you fit? What's the deal? But 4.01 at altitude isn't, you know, it's probably, I think there's a five-second altitude adjustment from NCA, so that's a 3.56 mile. And Ben said a couple of things that were interesting. One, the plan was, he had a plan with Cheserick before the race. They agreed that they were going to do the same thing. They're both going to go out in 2.02. And... And go from there and see what happened. And instead, I think he said Chaz took it out in 158, and he was 201, and they were just completely separate races. So Ben said if he ran anywhere, you know, at 358 to whatever 402, he'd be okay with it, and that's what he ran. So you know, he wants he, he's ready to go, wants to win. So you know, there's a lot of different ways that people, especially indoor season, everybody sort of you don't have a lot of data points to judge how people are doing. Um, So I think that sort of makes it a little bit more interesting this year. That was one thing said at the press conference, meet director, Ray Flynn. Um, He didn't speak, but they were saying that, you know, his goal is to create sort of interesting, intriguing matchups. And I think we've definitely got that in more than a few events here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I agree (coughs) with that about indoors. I mean, one thing I like about indoors is, you don't have a whole season of, of performances behind people, so you don't know really know who's going to win. It's not as predictable as outdoors. I think one of the things I think the, the track it does struggles with is, I would say, there's no interceptions, there's no fumbles. And if you have, like, all these data points, and nowadays in the year 2018, you know, like, everybody's race, all the races they've done. So you kind of know, like, oh, this person should beat this person. But indoors, it kind of takes you back 20 years ago when you didn't know. I mean, yeah, you know Nick Willis is a good runner, and you know Ben – you know Josh Kerr is an incredible runner, but you don't know like exactly what they've been doing. You know, week by week for the last fifteen weeks. So it, it kind of takes you back to the pre-internet era where there's a little bit more ambiguity, and that's why I like it. Um, one thing I'm going to add yeah. to the homepage: we have links to it in these previews. Is the links to the world standard page? There's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven men, American men that have the indoor standard right now: Ben Blake, Chip Merbert, Johnny Gregoric, Eric Jenkins, who's injured, Sherados, Clayton Murphy. He probably is not going to be running 1,500 for Palmer. So those are your qualifiers. Um, but yeah, you know, let's talk yeah, in terms of,
2: to talk to In terms of, you know, there's, there's no interceptions, there's no fumbles. Sort of an interesting tidbit from the press conference. I think we have that with the hurdles. That's why the hurdles are so interesting. The guys will race each other in the hurdles. The top guys race each other almost all the time in the hurdles. They're not afraid to go against each other. I think, one, like, some of it's a money thing. The 100, the guys are so expensive, you can't get them to race each other. But also, the 100, if you lose, like, well, that's it. You just got beat. There's no excuse. In the hurdles, you can be like, oh, I you know, had trouble at hurdle number seven, and sort of let's go race them next week. Or even if you're way better than everyone else, you could hit a cr- hurdle and screw it up and lose. So it's like it's intriguing for the fans to see these guys race all the time. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, there's really no other way or, in track to sort of create that sort of Randomness that we have in a lot of other sports, but an interesting matchup real quickly is, is the 60. Omar McLeod uh, will champion the hurdles. Um, he's running try more flat races this year. He's only got under 13 and under 10, uh, in the hur- hurdles in the 100. So he's racing Safa Powell straight up in the 60. Um, so it's kind of funny. The press conference is actually all everyone's getting around along. Ian Brooks sort of led it, and they didn't even know a lot of questions afterwards, but he did a really nice job. And sort of, you saw the camaraderie between the runners, and they're sort of joking around. And I, I guess Asafa didn't know that Omar was in the 60 until today, because they said, Oh, how is Omar going to do? And he's like, Oh, yesterday they asked me how Omar was going to do, and I told him he was going to win. I told him that he was going to win. And then today I found out he's running the 60. And I'm like, No, no, he's not winning the 60. I thought he was running the hurdles. Um, so Aries Merritt's running the hurdles straight up. So, yeah, and, you know, and, there's a lot of, you know, a great matchup in the pole vault. But uh, also, you are mentioning one of the big
1: names. I mean, one of the, the biggest, to me, the biggest name moving forward to the 2020 Olympics and for USA track and field, at least on the mid side, will probably be Noah Lyles, the 200-meter the Diamond League champ, right? I mean... He's in the 60s. That's not really his event, but it's exciting to see what he can do. I mean, what the 60s sick? Ronnie Baker, Safa Powell, Omar McLeod, Noah Wiles, Z Zin Jay of China. I mean, pretty ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, I guess Noah Wiles isn't a household name because he didn't run Worlds, but I think he's just phenomenal and ready to go. So, sort of, you know, the okay. the Lyles is different from these other intermittents is pretty, you know. Um, you got the Wanamaker. You can criticize it for not having any African runners, but, you know, they have a broad spectrum of events at Melrose, and most of them are pretty good. So, you know, they could only have so many people at the press conference. They had about 10, um, and they tried to sort of span events. Um, I think the only people in the same event was the woman's pole vault um, because they had... Sandy Morris, and Stefan
3: So,
1: well, we talked a lot about the men's races. We probably should talk a little bit about the women. Looking at the let on polls right now, in the preview, you can read it and vote in the poll. Uh, 42% of Picking Manuel career to win 836% uh, Donovan Brazier, so it's pretty close there. And in the mile, the um, Nick Willis is getting 52%, with Josh Kerr second at 13%, so a big favorite for Willis there. But The women's mile is pretty interesting, um, in the sense of you've got a world champion in it, in the name of. um, I thought Emma Coburn was in it. She's not running a John. Where is she?
0: She's running the three k. Oh
1: yeah, (laughs) my bad. Um, But um, you've got Let's Run Nation is saying the big favorite in her. Bellman Track Club debut is Kate Grace, Yale grad. Weldon, was she there? Did you to talk to her? How is she doing in the new training group? Stuff like that.
2: Yeah, Kate was there. Um, she, it sounds like it's going very well with Allerman. Um Kate's all about sort of the challenge and sort of there's a I don't know, fellow Yale grad sort of, I feel like there's a sort of intellectual element to her running or just challenging herself or pushing herself or something. So she said like she's getting her ass kicked essentially some of the time. Like she she went and did a 60-minute fart lick with um, showing Flanagan, you know, tried to hang on for 45 minutes. <laughs> so that was kind of funny because when they said that, they had, I, they had five athletes at a time up there, maybe six, and the other five were sitting on the side in these other high chairs, but so the high chairs were right next to me. And when they said fart lick, I heard, like, Omar Cloud said, like, like do, you, do you know what that is? And, what, and one of them did He said, yeah, I know, I know what a fart lick is. Um, so, you know, it's a big, it's a big track world, you know, we just sort of, we're doing fartwicks and sprinters have no idea what that is, but, you know, she's like, oh, look, this is why I joined this program. I'm doing stuff I've never done before. I'm getting, you know, it sounds like she can't do some of the stuff, but she's hoping that makes her a better runner. And she said, you know, the 800 is still her, she feels more comfortable in the 800, but that's... You know, she needs to be challenged, so that's why she's running the mile more. And same thing, she w- wants to be challenged. She's like, without challenge, I don't get better. And that's why she joined Bowerman. Um, so it, it sounds like, you know, uh, it's the training is, is challenging her a lot. You know, maybe she's doing too much and she runs terrible. You know, th- that's sort of the question. Because, um, you know, the Bowerman crew sort of debuting this weekend. Um, so. yeah,
1: so Colleen Cook was also in the mile, and it, it's pretty interesting. We've we got um, Sarah Vaughn, who obviously made the U.S. team last year in a, in a big surprise, and then I'm excited to uh, you know, see Alexa at I mean, she almost got back to her PR last year. I mean, she's won 403 in 2015. Last year she won 404. <laughs> she's still just 20. She's turning 21 on February 20th. So she sort of avoided the, you know, so many women are good and they're 16, 17, and and, and fall away. I mean, Mary Kane didn't really race, didn't race at all last year. Uh, I was talking to John off, um, you know, off air before the show. We were talking about you know the, the big names in the high school scene from three, four, five years ago, like Sarah Baxter. You know, she's pretty much fallen away. So it, it's good to see a Francin still in the mix. Um, you know, and in that race. And then we're going to have a four by eight world record attempt, um, which I don't think is going to happen. I, I was certain it was going to happen when I set it up, but now I'm not so sure. Cause they didn't run great. Um, last week, A.G. Wilson and company. So I don't know if you guys have any questions about Milrose or, uh, um, I got
4: one more thing mm-hmm. about
2: Milrose actually, Uh um,
4: post, the,
1: post them on the message board or in the chat box on the talk to
3: your client. We take a quick caller because,
1: We've got to start getting to Camel City, USA, cross-country, and looking back in December, January. Otherwise, we're going to be talking for too long.
3: Yeah. So uh,
2: talk to Colleen Quigley. Um, So Jerry Schumacher's uh, Oregon Track Club group, the first time they went to uh, Colorado Springs to do – Bowerman Track Club, excuse me – went to um, Colorado Springs uh, to do their altitude training. They've usually gone to Flagstaff. You know, the USOC Olympic Center – and Colorado Springs um so so that you know you've got a great weight room there you have rehab facilities ice baths um anything you want but you know I thought I thought the downsides of Colorado Springs were you weren't as high as Flagstaff and you you can't get to lower altitude Um, but it was interesting so Colleen said um they were actually living in a place called woodland park which is 30 minutes from colorado springs so it's at 8500 feet so they're getting the added altitude of that they're doing their workouts at the air force track which is at 7000 feet um and then colorado springs itself is at 6000 feet so then they go to the training center for you know rehab weightlifting, ice baths that sort of thing um so it's it sounds like a very good setup for them um because they can, you can get, you can get to that higher altitude that they sort of feel is important in the base phase. So um, I don't know, you know, Colleen herself's not a miler. She's been hurt all fall. Um, she always, always does a lot of swimming in her cross training. She, she gives, gave a shout out to her blog, ColleenQuickly.org. She's got an article on there about cross training and swimming, but she'll run like. I mean, she'll swim a few miles a week, like straight up swimming, even when she's training, um, to try to help her stay healthy, which I can't imagine doing. But you know, she's she's more of a, you know, she's a, a bit overmatched, I think, at the mile because, oh, well, you know, she's a steeper. She said her steeple, her steeple, her steeple uh, PR is actually better than a flat three k PR, which is crazy. I didn't I didn't verify that, but. That's what she said. So Maybe she should have run the 3K. Uh,
3: One of the
1: uh, listeners wants to know if if we think Kayla Edwards could pull an upset in the mile. Um, I know Dave Smith was a big fan of Kayla at Oklahoma State. I mean, she's definitely very ambitious. He's like, you she runs to win. I think a win here would be a tall order for her. I mean, her (coughs) 1,500-meter par is just 410. She did run 428, which is better than a 1,500-meter par last year in this race to get six. But Kate Grace was 422, so I think that's a real tall order, especially considering she, she ran, a, I think, an 800, um, like in 205 a few weeks ago in her one race. So I would be shocked if that happened, um, you know, on that front. But
2: uh, yeah, She's in the, she's now training with Emma, so, you know, and at altitude for the first time. I think when you first moved to altitude, you even trained there, you're probably going to be tough to figure out the speed.
4: Well, she's a Colorado but,
0: native. She's from Colorado. Uh, maybe she'll yeah. be okay. Well,
1: one, then. one thing that's interesting about these altitude stances, and I would like to do an article on this. I was like, do these coaches, like Jerry Schumacher and Salazar and Pete Julian, do they go and live at altitude away from their families for like six weeks? Like that would be really annoying. Um, and I'm sort of under the impression, at least in these big groups and even the Coogan and stuff like that, that these coaches are not there for the whole, whole altitude. Someone was telling me that, um, I think like with a program with a big budget, like Pete joining will fly in for the, for the workout and fly back. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but you know, maybe go for a week or two because that would take a big toll on your family. If you're having to be gone for six, eight weeks at a time, you know, I mean, a lot of, most of these athletes don't have kids yet. I mean, that was one of the things that was, you know, impressive about Mo Farah and that Kuzlicki is they would go to altitude, put the family kind of on the back burner for a while. You know, um, so it's just a thought there. I, I don't know if anyone knows if Jerry Schumacher goes. I don't think that he goes for the whole
2: time. Posting never thought about, i never thought about that. Box.
1: See, Wilson doesn't know how to balance the work as a father now and as a coach. You know, people always say Do you want to get back into coaching. I said I miss the adrenaline rush, but I don't miss the college lifestyle. In college lifestyle, you pretty much have to babysit the kids. You have to show up on the easy days. You have to go to all the meets with them. You know, and pro coaching is much easier on the lifestyle. You can send Paul Quigley to Millrose and not go if you don't want to. Um or you can just, you know, if it's a little key meet and not go. If it's an easy day, you don't have to show up.
2: I was talking <laughs> to uh Kofleski. Um I guess now he's known as the agent of Millrose Champion Will Lear, but also the brother of Meb Kafleski. And I said, Hey how how's Meb doing? And he said, Meb's still running. This is interesting. So a couple of things. One, Meb's still running 70 miles a week, up to 70, just easy running. The other thing is, Meb had like calf problems or leg problems in New York and he felt like the run should have been better and he wanted to go out better than that. Um, I thought it was tremendous. He stayed with the leaders longer than any other American. I don't really care how he finished after that. He made it like 18, 20 miles, whatever it was. Um, That's how I judged it. I was amazed he stayed out there that long. At his age, um, but Marahley said, like by Wednesday, Mab after New York, Mab was running again, and it, kind of in the back of his mind, he said, "I'm, I'm going to run Houston, run the Houston half. I think the half. I assume the half, not the full." Um, but then Mab already had some vacations planned, and he went to Costa Rica, and when he came back, from Costa Rica, I think it's kind of hard to train there. His legs got more injured, and so that was it. But there was almost a secret comeback for Matt Kofleski.
4: Wow,
1: the retirement can't even last for three months. Uh, just for the record, folks, I want to have an audio version of this. I have said for the record that, that Usain Bolt will come back from his retirement. So I just want to be on record again saying that so I can say I told you so. But, uh, guys, let's move on from Milrose. Um, it's going to be fantastic. The, uh, either the 111th Milrose game, or Weldon likes to say, "Well, this is his first non-Madison Square Garden Milrose games. Weldon used to call it like these, this would be the seventh Milrose games, <laughs> not at MSG. Weldon, have you gotten over your Milrose boycott? Are you finally being at the armory? Uh, Yeah. In,
2: you, in, you better change with the times or or whatever. I'm not,
3: yeah, yeah, I'm fine with so, it.
1: Milrose will be the last of some amazing action on Super Saturday tomorrow. Um And if you read our other preview on the website, it actually is going to kick off um, with the USA cross country championships. And what an exciting field this is. I mean, race, I mean, USA cross country. I can't get over this race. I'm shocked. With with world cross country going to an every other year format, normally the year and a lot of stars not running world cross country. I mean, Galen Rupp has never run world cross country. A lot of times USA cross country. It's fascinating to me because to me, and let's run cross country is the sport. It's the heart of the sport of distance running. We love it. We always go to World Cross. It doesn't matter whether it's Uganda, China, we're going to be there. Um, Jordan, England. we always go. You know, Poland. We love to go. It's actually an obscure place. And it shows that, hey, we don't care if no one else is going. We're going. But this year in an off year, all of a sudden, we have Evan Jaeger, Galen Rubb, Jordan Hussain. Oh My God. I mean, this is so exciting. Stanley Kevin. Emily Enfield, Courtney and Molly Seidel. I mean, who am I missing? Um, Leonard Cohen, yeah. career defending champ. Yeah, I mean, a big one. Um, so, real excitement. I mean, before this was going to be an afterthought, and now it's big. Um, and we were, it was so big, we were debating on the website. Literally, John had Galen Rupp and Evan Jager in the headline. And I'm like, Dev, I got no disrespect to Evan jager I think Jordan Jaeger is a bigger name than Evan Jaeger. So, I put. plus I wanted to give a shout-out to the women, so I put Galen Rupp and Jordan Jaeger in the title of the article, but let's talk about the men's race. I mean, really, it looks like, I mean, Jager's really unproven as a cross country runner never ran it at the collegiate level. Um,
0: he was pretty good in high school, John, Wright, When did he get a footlocker? Well, he made footlockers as a junior, but then his senior year, he, uh, I don't know. if I don't know what exactly happened, but he was leading the footlocker Midwest regional off the two miles and then faded all the way to, uh, Fifteenth place. He didn't qualify as a senior for foot walkers, so he was good. And you know, at the state level, he really killed it in Illinois for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, so we'll call him my wild card for this race. But I see it coming down to Career, the defending champ, and Gail, and both <laughs> exceptional. On the website, we gave the edge to Career because I mean, obviously, he beat Carrere, he beat Rupp on the track in the summer, and we know. <laughs> Well, we know both guys are in shape. I mean, Career ran a 59 minute half marathon, second American under 60 second, 60 minutes. That was in what? Late November. So yeah,
0: November 19th.
1: Then he went over to Europe. Won, won the Boopah. I guess it's not Boopah anymore. He won the Great Edinburgh XC race. We know he's in shape, but Ruff obviously in shape. Just ran a 13:34, proven cross country runner himself. Uh, but the logic i picking Ruff, I think, was. I mean, picking Career was. Hey, he beat him in the summer. He's probably more focused on this race than Rupp is. Why wouldn't he beat him again? Um, but pretty fascinating. I mean, I, I can't wait for that
4: one.
0: Yeah, it's it's just so exciting. You know, we always, it, it seems like every year for a while, will be like, man, what could Rupp do if he runs cross-country? Like, how would he run it World Cross? And I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I'd given up on that idea of Galen Ruff ever running another cross-country race as a pro. I just thought okay, he's in the track, he's found something that, you know, he wants to do, um, and then he's on to the marathon, and I'm like, well, he's still probably not going to run cross-country. I, I saw, actually, um, Bowman Track Club had a an interesting little post about, you know, Jago's return to the sport, and I think this sort of applies to Ruff as well. It said, you don't take a Ferrari out on the grass, and that was Jerry's justification for not running Evan in, in cross-country races. He has this, you know, very bouncy – Stride, And I think, you know, they just, they didn't want to ha- have any damage done to him by running, you know, especially if the last couple of years, USA cross has been in bend where it's uh, a relatively tough course. It was very muddy and snowy last year. But I think the one in Tallahassee is pretty, pretty gentle from what I've seen. Um You know, I, I think you could say it's Rough certified, uh, assuming he gets on the start line. So, you know, I, I just but yeah, I love that both of these guys are doing it. They're both Olympic medalists. You've got Korea. You know, it's really going to be very exciting to see. And uh, I can You know, I, I just don't know well, what's going to happen. Which is one of the other great things.
1: Do we do we know though that if Evan's really trying to win this race, maybe he's just doing it to? He's not in great shape. Doesn't want to run milos and needs something to focus on. You know, like kind of like people wait. Do we have any idea if he's really? Running the uh,
0: I haven't. I, I guess I, c- I can reach out to his agent, but uh, I don't really know. I think they, just, yeah, th- that might be possible, but uh, I, I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. And I'm, I, one thing
1: I was thinking about is why is Ruff running this? He's never won USA Cross. I always wanted him to run USA Cross. It would have made more sense for him to do it in other years when he didn't have a marathon to get ready for in April. In other years, he's only trying to be in shape in August, so he's got plenty of. You know, he was always hammering those indoor races. Why not hammer a cross-country race? Um, and I was like, I was wondering if he was going for legacy building a little bit. You know, I mean, one thing with Mo Farah, I mean, to me, the GOAT debate between Mo Farah and Bikile and Gabba Celeste is a joke. Of course, Mo Farah is behind Bikile. And he doesn't have the cross-country pedigree. So I'm like, you know, maybe Ruff left once the cross-country victory on there. Um, but I really think it's great that Ruff. But I've it to Flanagan and all these people. These marathoners are doing other events that they don't normally do. I mean, Flanagan's already run two, three cases this year. And I think running these events that isn't your focus, it keeps you young. It keeps and you use different muscles on the indoor track. Maybe it keeps you healthy. It just keeps you motivated, too. I mean, because to me, the marathoning when mean, you're doing two marathons a year, it's kind of, it can be boring and stale and you do this massive basis. So, I mean, very exciting to see on this front. Um, it would not surprise me at all if Ruff wins, but we picked um Korea on the women's side. It's a little bit more wide open. There's more potential winners. I think that Emily Enfield, Jordan Hase, Courtney Flyrex, Molly Seidel.
3: Um, I think that um, you know, officially.
1: Wait, our official pick according to the preview was Seidel. I did not like that pick. I should have overridden that pick. I think that's a Jonathan Galt-inspired pick.
3: My pick (laughs) is Emily Enfield. Um, But well, I don't know, actually. I might pick Hesse. I'm confused.
1: Anyway, John, you wrote most of that preview. And in it, I was sort of surprised. You said it would be a – you had originally written something like it would be a big surprise if Jordan Hesse won. And I changed it and put, like, mild surprise. I mean, I don't think it's a it, – it would be a big shock if Jordan wins this race. I mean, yes, she doesn't have the shorter track credentials of some of these women. But, first of all, this isn't a track race. I mean, Jordan Hesse was just as good, if not better, than these women at NCAA Cross Country. Jordan was three times top five NCAA Cross, and Winfield was three times top ten NCAA Cross. So very similar. First, you first know, or third or fourth NCA Cross one time. I mean – These women, Molly Seidel did win it, but I don't know if the level of competition was quite as good as, you know, maybe when Hase was running. But, you know, they all were were very good cross-country runners. So it's not like, yeah, this is a 5K on the track. I would say, despite the fact that Hase won 220 in the marathon, the 5K is not an event. First of all, this is cross-country. She's always been good at cross-country. And secondly, this is 10K, right? It's not even 6K like, like NCAA cross. The longer distance is going to help her. Um, we know she's in shape. We don't know that based off of that, half marathon. Do we know that Infeld's in shape? Has she done anything this year? Well, no. That's None.
0: that's the that's the question always with yeah. Infeld. Is you know she'll just she'll go long periods without racing. And but if you so, read the, what I wrote in the preview, I said if she's at his be- her best, you know I think she wins because. She's a world championship medalist on the track. You know, she's made the last three U.S. world championship teams with 10K. I feel like Herbert I say, over 10K is a mismatch. And I also think the relevance of, the relevance of what Jordan Nassay did in cross country, like, seven or eight years ago, or in high school, when it was 5K, or in college, when it was 6K cross country. I just really don't think that makes much of a difference. Okay, like, pretty much all good professional runners were good in cross country in college just because... You know, they were good college runners, and the best college runners are usually pretty good in cross-country. So to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of a difference. The reason I was picking these other women over Hase is just the last few years, we've seen Hase as a markedly different runner in the half marathon and marathon events than she was the last few years in the 5K and 10K. And that was the the basis for my pick. But, yeah, I I get – all right, maybe – maybe it's mild surprise is more accurate, but I still would take Seidel or Infeld or maybe even Frericks over and say, but again, I, you know, I, I don't totally know everyone's fitness. That's one of the things like what I yes. was saying makes it interesting. Um, we don't know what shape all these, all these women are in, so it makes it for more an unpredictable and exciting race. Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, we do know that Seidel was third at the great Edinburgh cross-country race. Uh, behind Yasmin Khan, who won the, won the European cross-country championships, and Emily Gorica. So she's insane. Actually, when I look at Sadell, I, I kind of think that's a decent pick. Um, I, you know, uh, I have, it's weird. I, I was like a Hisei doubter for the longest time. I Never understood why everyone was obsessed with her. But I jumped on the bandwagon last year. I'm, I'm to remember, folks, that I picked her to beat Desi Linden last year in Boston. I was mocked for the pick by Jonathan Gold, And I was proven to be correct. But now I'm not so sure. The more I think about this, John, I kind of like Seidel.
4: Uh,
1: it is 10K. I mean, Jordan ran well in that half marathon in Houston, but she was beaten by like 73 seconds, 68 minutes. I'm, uh, if I have to take an official pick, I don't want to pick Inville because I don't know what's going on with her. I don't know. I'm going to plead a fifth right now. Molly
2: Seidel, you know you want to, Robert. Seidel, you got to do it, Robert. I any, Okay, I want to throw out, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory. Does anyone think, I don't know which group went first to run this race, but that the Talazar group is running this race because the Schumacher group is running this race. I feel like there's definitely a rivalry between the groups. What do you think? <laughs> right, I does, anyone, to be
0: true.
2: does anyone, does anyone, did that thought cross anyone's mind?
0: Alberto, it didn't cross my mind, but I, I can imagine Somebody's phone um, is going crazy right now. By the way. Must be Robert. Robert. It's not me. Okay. It wasn't me. Well, I I just love the idea of Alberto waking up, he checks the entries on the USATF site, he says, Jager's running this. We can't have a Bauman guy winning this race. Ruff, get ready. You're running... You fly into Florida tomorrow. <laughs> win this race.
2: Okay, so I mean, cross it, your mind. You cross your mind. I think
0: that would
2: it,
3: be
2: fantastic, but it didn't it, cross my mind at all. It didn't. Oh, oh I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, know. I definitely got it. At least I got it to cross your mind now.
4: Why well, do you know, yeah. sport needs. rivalry? The, the uh,
2: you know, I have Alberto's group have gotten I, a lot of scrutiny. I feel like rightfully slow. So on Let's Run because you know you USAT investigation and all of that. And, Pushing the boundaries, and you know, the, the debate is whether they've crossed them. Well, the, but his please, group is so good for the sport, and since his guys race a lot, um, well, yeah, you know, probably said, Oh, they race when they're fit. Well, I don't care, they race year round, and maybe they're fit year round, yes, but
3: I, I
1: you know, wait, wait, first of all, we, we need one moment of silence,
3: don't say anything, I gotta mute everybody. I, had to, either, I realized that I had the unmute all button, so all the callers were calling
1: in. I and mean, that was a caller call who was walking around, could have been Central Florida, West, Northeast, Illinois, Chicago suburb, and Connecticut, also Guest 25. If any of you want to be on the call, type in the chat box, and we'll put you on as a caller. Let us know what you want to talk about. But yeah, Salazar deserves a lot of credit. He makes the sport interesting. They race all the time. They may not race the events I want to do. Like it drives me nuts that Rupp will run a time trial in Boston instead of running like a more established meet or... You know everything has to be perfect. If it's not RUP certified, but it's great. And people think that we exaggerate the, the tension between him and Schumacher. No, it's real. It it, it really comes from when 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 um, Solinsky got that 10k record. Everything was set up. Nike had printed up American record placards and T-shirts for RUP, and Salinsky got it. And remember, originally they were kind of one group, and then there was a huge split. And basically, they don't really speak to each other, and now it's two groups. And, you know, it's good to have polarizing figures, you know. Not everyone loves the New England Patriots, but people like Jonathan Gall do. And a lot of people hate the New England Patriots. So the dynasties and the names, you need the same people back and forth. Rupp, Pesce, Enfield. You know, you need characters and villains and heroes. So, anyway, it's going to be fantastic. I, I think I'll make an official pick before we sign off. Remind me before we sign off. Um... Guess twenty five was a good point. Salazar ran world cross in 1982 two before Boston, but that was like right before Boston too. I mean, it was it was you know like a week or two I think. So um, guess twenty five, John. They love you, John. Jose is my favorite runner. But I think Jonathan Galls is one hundred percent right on this. So there you go, Sidell for the win. Um, so that'll be on USATF Plus, which apparently is the same thing as Runner Space Plus, um, and then. After that, and before Mill Roads, we're going to have the Camel City and Elite Meet plus the IWF World Indoor <laughs> Meet in Germany. Um, we got a men's 800, women's 1,500. Um, you know, to me, the big thing there is how good is Jomis Kifchelcha. He's joined the Oregon Project. I think he's going to be like and unbeatable at 5,000 meters. He's running the 3,000 in Germany. It's a stacked field. Haggis Ecuador, Egledor, Edwin Soy. So that's a big one. Um, so, but let's talk about the Campbell City meet. Give some love to the people that the, the JDL Fast Track, fast track um, the owner, David Shannon, the facility director, Craig Longhorse. I mean, they've got $60,000 in prize money. And, I mean, some of these races, I can't believe they've got 6000 for first, and there aren't even that many big names in them. Like the, I mean, Paul Cholino is obviously a huge name in the men's 3,000, but the women's 3,000, you know, and some of these other races aren't as stacked with women's 800 because there's only so many athletes to go along. I mean, somebody's got to be in Mill Road. Somebody's got to be in Campbell City. Could someone explain to me why these meets are on the same weekend? It's boring my mind. Why did they have Campbell City last week or two weeks ago? Or, Milrose, you know, don't compete with each other on the same weekend. It right? drives me mean, – it seems crazy. anyone have a theory on that?
0: Well, I think it's just the indoor season's really short this year. You know, USA's are in two weeks, so you know there are only so many weekends of competitive uh, competition, yeah. and that's probably my guess.
1: Yeah, I like the fact that indoors has been pushed up. I didn't like how it was running in the mid August, mid March. I felt like it was interfering with the outdoor season. But the weird thing is, this year with no outdoor Worlds, there's no reason to to push it up. I mean, I think it should just do it all, <coughs> up all the time. They always felt like if we want to have two peaks a year, you should have one in, like, beginning of March and then one in, like, August, basically, you know, six, six months apart. So mm-hmm. I like moving everything up, um, but I don't understand why they're doing it in a non-championship year. I mean, this is the year they finally decided to move everything up. Like, we should do this more often. But let's talk about the men's mile in Campbell City because it is fascinating. Edward Cheswick, 354 at altitude. He's going to get the hometown favorite. Craig Ingalls. I don't think anyone doubts it. Come on. We know Cheswick's going to win this race. The question really is how fast is he run on a flat track, and then can Craig Ingalls get the 355 World Indoor Standard on a flat track? It's absurd. This race, first of all, should be at 1500. If it's all set up, they're to, to set up. Winston Salem's own Craig Ingalls. I mean, originally he was going to run 800, but he didn't get the standard last week because he didn't run for the time. The coaches at the NMP said don't worry about the time, and yet, which I think is good advice focused on winning the race, he won the race, but now he doesn't have the time, and now he's a chase time. So it was good advice and bad advice. If I was the NLP coaches, and obviously I'm not, I would have told Craig Engels last week, don't worry about the time, but go with the rabbit. If you go with the rabbit, the time will take care of itself. The fact that he didn't go with the rabbit, nobody else goes with the rabbit, and now he's got to switch. From, he's going to originally run an 800 at home, probably win $6,000 in a field where he probably would have easily won. Now he's got to run against a mile. He's going to cost himself money, and they're running a mile in standard is three fifty five. If it's the fifteen hundred to three thirty nine, it's so much easier. It's like a three fifty seven mile. So anyways, um John, you've been hearing some crazy stuff about Chesurick. How much of it can we say on the record, if any of it, give us the scoop on Chesurick that you're willing to share with the audience.
0: Yeah, so basically I just I've been in contact with someone in Flagstaff who's sort of been monitoring Chesurex training and he's just been raving to me about how incredible it is. And I can't really go into specifics, but he thinks he's in very fast shape. sorry. He's in very good shape. Um, He thinks he's capable of running something very, very fast this season.
4: Um,
0: I don't know if he'll, he'll get to do, I don't know if we'll be able to see him reach his full potential on Saturday because it's uh, a flat track. And I also don't know what the rabbiting situation is, but I think, you know, Cesarek, he doesn't have a world indoors to run this year, you know, because he's trying to – he's waiting on his U.S. citizenship. We don't really know when that's going to happen. But right now, you know, the best way he can capitalize is sort of run really fast. And I think, you know, we might see in the next few weeks he might take a shot to run something really fast with some good rabbiting on a flat, fast track. But for the time being, you know – and I'm not exactly breaking news here, given that he ran this – ridiculous 354 in Albuquerque um, last week, but yeah, I think he's going to win this race, I would say, fairly comfortably, but Angles is in good shape, so, you know, Angles will follow him for a little bit, I would guess.
1: And Paul, you doubling back from the 3,000 will be interesting. Um, You know, one of the... I didn't realize that, so he... Is that true, John, or I? I guess maybe... Trederick won't be running for Kenya? He won't try to go to Worlds or ever?
0: I 20. mean, they've said he's waiting for his. I, I need to sort of clarify this because to me it's kind of puzzling. Like I think he could have made Kenya's five thousand team last year. Like he'd be that immediately would be their first or second best five thousand runner, and making the fifteen hundred team. Or that's the problem though because they've got some absolute studs in the fifteen hundred. But yeah, I, I think he wants to be become an American citizen. Is what I've read and that may have been the they may have been the understanding they reached with sketches when he signed his contract was the
4: yeah. one day well,
0: guy is, will be competing for how long well. do
1: you have to sit out if you ran if you ran for I don't remember I, mean, I know you can't transfer your allegiance right now at all but what is the normal waiting period
0: it's i think it's 3 years but it can be reduced to 1 year if you get the permission of the country who uh who you used to run for? But again, that's sort of because it's frozen right now indefinitely. That's sort of risky. Hmm. One other thing about the
3: yeah,
0: I don't.
2: Okay, I heard a couple of things there. John said Cheswick would automatically be in the Kenyan five thousand meter team.
3: Easily last year. A little well,
2: bit shocked man, by that in the last
0: year.
2: What's his five k PR, John? Thirteen
0: eighteen.
2: What's the 5K PR of the Kenyan team? I mean, it's just not automatic that he goes to Kenyan makes that team.
0: Weldon, yes, it is. Did you
2: pay attention to the World Championship? They had
0: a guy get lapped in the prelims at World's Weldon. But that Kenya guy is probably World World. Is
2: under 1310, John, correct?
0: Yeah, he probably ran it like 10 years ago. Weldon, come on, man. They, Kenya didn't have anyone in the final at the Olympics. They, I don't think they either had one or zero. Fine, final, It's a lack of trying, but I, I don't think it's just automatic, but fine come on if if can you select the strongest team trezerex on it come on
2: i don't know but the more breaking news is have you guys been to all-athletics.com
3: <laughs>
0: yeah one or two times
3: <laughs> have you been there today
0: yeah i go on that every day all the time
3: well, apparently not john have you heard the breaking news
0: um
3: well, oh, I guess not. I will
2: break the news. All Athletics has ceased to exist. It has been absorbed into the IWF. One of our two results databases. This is terrible news. I love All Athletics. There's another one called Tilostasia. I'm, I'm, I'm an All Athletics fan. I'm an All Athletics fan, and now it says, "Oh my God!" It, this it is how everybody Owner and publisher of do? AllAthletics.com has become the statistical service provider for the IWF. Consequently, All Athletics ceases its operation. We think our partners, wow. subscribers, and this viewers. Is
1: sad. this is sad. This is This is like opening the gateway. Like we used to have the information no one else had. Now if they make it open to be free. People are going to realize we're not that smart. We just have the results, and nobody has things for. Now
2: they're going to probably make it so nobody can get results. Know. Um, wow. you know guys- Wow, I
0: got I got to say thank you. All athletics, like seriously, I, that is the number one resource I rely on for. No, you. are so much better kill the stoppage. So Fake, much news, better. I, Fake news, Robert. Fake news.
1: I don't understand how how athletics works. I've never understood how the website works.
0: I can never remember my password. Get a password. Well, manager. It's, no, I, I picked it up in like three days, Robert. It's, I'm sure if you really put your mind to it, your Princeton-educated brain could uh, figure it out. But, yeah. All right. Well, thank, thanks all athletics but, for your work. I guess I got a, thank you, athletic, to Thank you all. Thank you everyone in the athletics community for supporting well, your sport.
1: Okay, looking at the Kenyan 5K times last year, Jeffrey Camor was 1301, but he obviously wasn't going to run the 5,000 in the world. Cyrus Ruto, 1303. He was the only Kenyan under 1310. Then it was Nicholas Kimberly, 1311. James 1311. Last
2: year, wait,
3: what?
1: Yeah, only one guy broke 1311 besides Camor. Because in the whole... there's just no money, money in it, I guess. They all moved to Marathon now.
3: How many guys were under 13 last year in the world? Three. Wow. Well, well I'm just going
0: to bring this up. Do you remember Just that Menjo? Do you remember that guy? Okay, I know. This, they, John, the Kindons always select one guy who shouldn't be on
2: the team or something. <laughs> you have some stupid <laughs> he, selection process. I'm
0: just telling you. He's like 42 years old, and he was on the team last year. I actually, remember. I remember coming smooth. through. Like, we laughed we
1: he, the job
2: or something. We didn't do it. He
0: didn't get rapped. He ran
1: 1335.
0: Sorry, he wasn't the one who got lapped. The one who got lapped was Davis Blank, Kip Langat, who ran a gentleman's 1452 at the World Championships. He got lapped? What happened? Yes. He got lapped because he's not good at running. Uh, well, what okay. Is, he had a bad day, obviously. But Cezarek, inarguably, should have been there over both Menjo and Davis Kip Langat, who got lapped at World.
1: Davis Kip Langat. Hey, I'm, I'm going to now coach this guy for the championship. John is disparaging Davis. Kipling got. I'm looking him up. He's the future. He's only 19 years of age, folks. Imagine this: If you were 19, you ran 13-16 when you were six days past your 18th birthday. You ran 13-18, 16 in 2016, 13-18 in 2017. He's 2015 World Youth Silver Medalist. This guy's talent, David if, Davis. If you're listening and you want to move to Baltimore, I will put you in my <clears> basement. I will try to go down going and get your sponsorship. We will train you to be the best. I can take on Salazar and Schumacher these guys. It'll be over. All right, guys. Um, we've been talking for an hour about this weekend, Super Saturday. We haven't even talked. I wanted to go back since I've been gone for two months. Talk a little bit about December and January. I don't know if we have really time to do that. By the way, looking at the uh, votes and how fast will Cheswick run, 41% of the people are predicting 352 to 353 on a flat track. Does anyone know what the flat track world record is? I would love to know what it is. That is my question of the day. What is the flat track world record? Again, if you're one of the callers to the show and you want to be in, type in the chat box and we'll put you on. Um,
2: a lot of callers but, are just on their phones. They're not chatting.
1: Yeah, I know. But um, should we go back and talk a little bit about what I missed? Since we didn't have week that wise formally to talk about some of these things.
0: Well, it depends. We're at about probably about 70 minutes now, so you can either dedicate some more time to that, or if you want to do a separate podcast next week, we can do
3: that. It's up to you, Roger, Robert.
1: And I want to just keep going, maybe cut it off an hour and a half.
3: All right.
1: I'm on a roll, I think. So, literally, I think the <coughs> Foot lockers, or NXM was first, baby came right around, man. I was barely paying attention. But uh it was pretty amazing, right, on the women's side. I mean, Caitlin, does anyone know how to say her last name
0: professionally?
1: Uh, officially? I think Tui
0: is what I've been hearing.
1: So, Caitlin Tui wins the race by 40 seconds. So, we knew that Fayetteville Man Race was going to win. They barely won. They hold on over Naples and North, but 11th out of 12th. Props to Belaris. But 40 seconds? That is absurd. And then everyone's talking about who's better her, Claudia Lane, right? Claudia Lane wins footwalkers. Well, Claudia Lane has since lost a race. Toley's won a national record of five thousand. But if I had been writing the week that was, I would have told you at the time that Toie was better. How would I know that by the Toy speed ratings? Has anyone looked at the Toy speed ratings for the two races? John
0: yeah well i I looked i, I in my preview. Tui's speed ratings were consistently far above Claudia Lane's, and, uh, like, they were historically great, really. Um, and you compare them to Foot Finals, I didn't look at the specific comparison, but I'm sure that Tui's was significantly better than Lane's at Foot Locker.
1: Yeah, she got a 172 speed rating by Tully ratings. Lane got a 165. So the all-time record for a woman is 180, Amber Trotter. Melody Fairchild got a 178. Joey Stamps 173. So this might have been like fourth or fifth best. But H, if you're not familiar with Tully Speed Ratings, go to TullySpeedRatings.org or .net or just type in Tully Speed Rating into Google, you'll find it. The guy's from upstate New York and he does an amazing job. So each speed rating is worth three seconds. So this means that she's seven, seven points higher. She would have beaten Lane by 20 seconds. And I, I don't doubt that. I mean, I think Lane actually won Foot Lockers by like, 20 seconds didn't you 19 seconds so um you know lane's 19 seconds better than everyone else in the country and and two is 19 seconds better than lane i mean it's pretty ridiculous um but in terms of the guys race guys races i mean it seems like we don't really have a a clear-cut national champion right john i mean we've got uh
0: well, in my opinion, it's uh, – no, it, it's uh, Aiden Troutner because he won NXN, which was clearly the stronger meet based on the two fields this year. And he also beat Dylan Jacobs, who was the Foot Locker champion. And I know Weldon has – you know, Weldon spoke to his coach at the clinic he went to a few weeks ago, and he explained that, you know, he, he wasn't quite ready to run his best at NXN. He was much better at Foot Lockers. But the fact remains – uh the nxn champ beat the footlocker champ at nxn
3: in my mind aiden Troutner, now the nxn champ is your national champion yeah fair enough that makes sense i would like
1: to see and we, we're putting our tour up saying this we to wrote that good job we'd like to see the nxn champ maybe top five automatically invited to footlocker so we don't have to have these speed rating debates as just you know who's the best and, and whatnot um so, you know, it, it kind of reminded me of last year of Ray Brown and Sam Worley. Um, you know, Brown lost to Sam Worley in the last four matchups, including. See, but, but John, actually remember this. Brown lost to Worley four times, including NXN, but then he won Footwalker, right?
4: Yeah.
1: So, who's to say that this wasn't the same thing? I mean, we we didn't get. Uh, Troutner didn't run then, right? Didn't run Footwalker. So. He might have lost to him there. Uh, yeah. I guess. I
4: don't
3: know. I'm good. I mean, you but can do it after anything.
1: And it's kind of interesting, you know. Before we anoint these men as the next all-time champions, here's a trivia question. So, but John has a decent. Life. John's so smart about running. John, where did Reed Brown finish at NCAAs this year? Um.
0: Feel like he was probably uh, in the 50s or 60s, 78. 78, folks.
3: All right, so it. you know,
1: it just shows you how hard it is to be great, anyways. One other thing I'd like to say about NXN and Footwalker is you know, I know that Loudon Valley won, and they're coached by um,
3: help me with the name here, folks, the um,
1: Hunters. Mark and Jones. and Mark Hunter. Yes. You know, uh, but to me, I'm putting a big asterisk by it. They had two transfers. And I think I noticed a mistake, a rare mistake in my absence. Um, you guys said that they would have won without the transfers. They would have lost by only a few points without the transfers. But I think they would have lost by like 50 or 60 points without the transfers. In my mind, the dual national champions at NXN, Bill Harris. I mean, he won it all, I think, in 2011 on both sides or t- twenty fourteen, something like that. His men ran incredible. If, if if you don't have transfers on this one team, his team would have won the men and women yet again. I mean the guy is sick. He is so incredible. It's amazing.
3: No argument here. F what FM has done is mind blowing.
0: It's just yeah, yeah I I, I caught it's it's indescribable how amazing it is what they've done.
1: I mean, because per- Percival went 3-6, 13-16, 51, and then they would have gone 63 and 68. So you're, you're going to take a 3 and a 6 out and add, add 60. You're basically going to add 60 points each. You're going to add 120 points. They would have had 300 points. Manly is 159. So uh, we had a mistake saying they would have only won by like you know, – Manly would have barely won. They would have won by like 150 points over them.
0: Well, I don't know. It wasn't – I don't. the number one runner wasn't a transfer. It depends what number of the top five was a transfer.
1: Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, You're right.
0: Thank My you, back.
2: John. Thank you.
1: My mistake, former high school math teacher making a math Robert's
2: mistake. first mistake ever in the history of Let's Run.
1: So, um, and then we have Sukokwa. Sondra – John, how do none of the pronunciation help? I'm going to say Sondra Mowing, two hundred five forty-eight. Yeah, I was Moen, yeah. And European record, it's not PC to say it, but a white guy record as well. Um, and then we had Sugar Osaka with the Nike Oregon Project record in third, just behind the Olympic champion, Steven Kipitich, two hundred seven nineteen. 19 I mean, that was a very exciting race. That's kind of, that was about a week or two after my baby was born. I was actually, well, I actually watched that one. It was very exciting. Um, and then, Malone races a lot too. He's already raced a couple times since then, so it, it's pretty exciting to see what he's going to do. Do we know what his next marathon is going to be? Because
0: he's not in London, right?
3: No, I, I,
0: yeah, yeah, I haven't. I don't think I've seen him announced for another marathon yet.
1: So there you have it, folks. One of the things you're most looking forward to. he well, we did Boston last year. Been...
3: Is he not in Boston? No, he didn't do Boston. He didn't run Boston. Yeah. How so he you in Boston? No, no. No. Who ran in Boston last year? No. no. Are you, comp- are really you confusing right. Galen Rupp and Sandre Moen? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Moen. Mullen.
0: Moen's marathon.
1: Yeah. Oh, Saka did. Yeah, Saka did in Boston. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about Moen. Oh. Folks, don't worry. Weldon yeah. does not think all white people look the same.
2: Not confusing uh, Moen with Galen Rupp. Yeah.
1: And then moving on. I just literally, I spent about three hours this morning just going day by day, folks. You never use the archive photo aspect of what you You can click on archives. and You can see every homepage since like every day, like since like 2006 or something. So I went day by day. It took me like three hours. There's a lot of stuff I didn't even pay attention to. The Cattle International Marathon was pretty fascinating. 106 sub-230s there. That's more than Boston and New York combined. So very impressive. Goodbye. International. A, yeah, shout out to wow. you. And then... Fake news. I call this fake news, folks. Russia has been banned from the Winter Olympics. We have it up. That's like saying that, like, Stateville Manly, Manlius was banned from NXNs because they go by a different name. Russia has not been banned by the Olympics. It's driving me nuts that people say they're banned. It's the biggest bullshit, weakness thing I've ever seen. Um, so these are just sort of stream of consciousness, folks. The brilliance, these are the thoughts that you would have seen normally in the print edition of the week was
2: oh coming God. at you.
1: So, Honolulu Marathon. Anything to say about that, guys? I know, of course, Records Awards, Toronto, 208.26, and Bridget Coast Guy 222.14. Seems like no one paid attention to that, folks. How impressed were you, though, by Nick Simmons? Three hour 35 seconds. Well done. What do you think of Nick?
3: I'm glad he got closer to three when he said he's going to run 330. Uh, um, whatever. I mean,. I think I wonder what I, was. That forty. I broke three three years ago, and I'm
2: I don't show any running talent.
1: But you're a thinking runner, he's a hair runner.
2: That's true, but I think he should be able to break three if he wanted to. He just you know he didn't train very. He didn't. He could do a lot better if he wanted to. I don't
1: okay. That later in the month.
2: I saw it's cool he's doing day. it, you know. But like, let's not pretend he's. You know he's training enough finish it and do all right.
3: He's I an like 800 guy, but he could,
2: you know, if he wanted to run more, he would. He could do better. He might get hurt, but I think he could do better.
1: Yeah, I trained with Rich Kanaugh for a marathon, former bronze medalist, 1997 bronze medalist, the World Championship of 800. Um, Rich trained pretty hard. Rich, I think the Rich ran around 230s, but he was training, you know, pretty seriously for it. Um, I'm wondering if they have his marathon time. They do not until a stop shift for Rich Kanawha. If anyone anyway, knows Rich Kanawha's marathon, it was in New York. Please post it in the chat box. Um, a few weeks later, we have the Zatapak 10K. Why would I mention that? I just was shocked that Patrick Turner lost. I'm like, how can you lose? He's an incredible runner. He lost to somebody in Australia. He lost a guy, a gentleman by the name of Stuart McSwain. I was like, how the hell is that possible? And then I looked him up. He's only, McSwain's 22, and he's run 13-19. So pretty impressive stuff. I mean, there's some good young talents, you know, that we don't necessarily notice unless they come to the collegiate NCAA system. And then I don't know what to think about this. Someone, well, John, this Justin Gatlin story, and the telegraph went undercover, and they found Gatlin sort of like, not his main agent, but his secondary agent, Robert Robert Wagner, who's kind of, uh, an infamous guy in Track and Field circles who um, has been, I mean, he married one of his athletes, had a baby of Kelly White, and then he offers these producers, these early reporters who are acting like they're film producers, that so they can buy HGH. Like, what should I make of that? Should I really think that means something bad for Justin Gatlin? Or is it sort of some share, some agent trying to show off to some guy and get a $250,000 payment? Well then, did you follow that story closely, or?
3: Not, I mean,
2: I didn't get too worked up on it. I'm already suspicious of Justin Gatlin. I'm already um, suspicious of Dennis Mitchell. Mitchell. <laughs> um, if you go to somebody and say, "Hey, I'm going to pay a bunch of money," I kind of assume they're going to offer you H D H. There didn't seem to be a direct connection to Gatlin. Of course, the guy's going to say Gatlin's on something. I mean, it's. I thought it was a pretty flimsy article. Um, but it made Gatlin switch coaches and go to Brooks Johnson. So I don't know.
3: I mean, I think, yeah, I, I can't believe Justin must have thought something of it because he
2: switched. So I, I don't know. Like, you know, at, at this point, I don't know. I sort of don't worry. I don't turn to blind eye to doping, but this article didn't make me more suspicious or less suspicious of Justin Gowan.
1: Yeah. I mean, you kind of, Chris reporting that I was really pleased to see uh, someone with the resources of the Telegraph go undercover to try to do something like this. I mean, it takes money, and that's one of the things I'm really worried people say, oh, we don't need print journalism. We need journalists to uncover corruption, whether it's at the government, you know, sports, whatever. So I, I give them props. I just wish they had kept going to try to see if they could get more you know, into it. But, you know, the fact that, I don't know, at some level of me, I I wasn't paying that much close attention to it. I read more about it today, but I was like, I just assumed that a lot of entertainers took HGH. I mean, they they get plastic surgery, they try to look younger. Like, that part didn't shock me. And then, you know, this is a guy, he's married to Kelly White, who was a doper herself. So, of course, he's going to say all sprinters do drugs. Um, and there was at some point in there during that when Mitchell said that Gatlin wasn't on it. So maybe Gatlin, you know, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. A lot of just interesting story. Then we had the Brooks run, CEO saying that running is not really a sport. That was kind of interesting. Uh, the doubt, of course, Ashton Feltzer, America's only steeplechase champion. Uh, Molly Huddle getting the American record. And half marathon, 67 We don't have time for all this stuff. Christian Coleman setting an American record. It's not going to be the world record post because there was no block in the sixty-six point three seven. 6.37. But then perhaps um, a couple other things, random things I was going through. I, I wrote down like five or six articles I can't wait to read that I missed in the last month. Um, so I'm going to catch up on those maybe later today. Uh, just a lot of stuff. And there's an article in Hanson Brooks I wanted to read, Georgetown Running Club. Joe Newton passed away, all this stuff I'm going to be catching up on. But um, a couple things I just thought were weird. I, I, it was a good read, recommended to read. Ella Kiefer blogs about saying her weight, saying, my weight has nothing to do with how good a runner I am. I'm all for women's empowerment and stuff like that, but of course your weight has something to do with your, with how a runner you are. You shouldn't be preoccupied on what you're weighing, but,
2: I mean, uh, uh, you yeah, you could. Pounds, At the same time, though, you can weigh too thin and weigh too little and not race well. Like I heard a story about Mabka Flasky, and he actually dropped a few pounds. It was his lowest ever, and he got hurt and didn't run well. Same thing definitely applies to women. A lot of these girls when they're younger, I think, try to get to too low of a weight and throws off their running. So oh yeah, she's depends. probably saying my absolute off. weight, you lift weights, you actually become stronger and weigh more. You know, So her weight in that sense doesn't matter. She's stronger. She weighs more. You know, so, you know, focusing on the number when you step on the scale isn't the proper way to someone to evaluate, you know, their ability to be healthy or or race fast. Well, Um, one thing
1: I want you to ask, well, then while you're there at um, Millrose, I want you to ask Robbie this, Robbie Andrews this. Andrew Whiting is retired. And I wanted to ask Robbie Andrews, like, hey, you're only a couple years younger than this guy. Does that make you think, like, hey, it could be over soon. You know, I mean it's weird. Some careers are over at thirty, you know, even before thirty, and then some go on to forty plus like that. So you never know whether well, you're gonna burn out early or keep going or what. So it'd be interesting to see if that makes Robbie Andrews think differently about things. Um but random thing, and maybe I should end with this, but we could probably have a few parting thoughts. My random random thought here from the last month, I noticed this at the last minute, folks. Ryan Gregson, Australian 331 runner, has become engaged. And he proposed to his former longtime girlfriend, Jennifer Lacoste, former Florida runner, right, John? And yeah. he put it on Instagram. He, he dropped down. And the quote it's the picture of him proposing. And the quote struck me weird. I'm an identical twin, remember. The quote was, if you had a twin, I would still choose you. And I was like, First, thinking like, wait, that doesn't sound romantic to me at all. That basically saying, I would choose you over one other person. Like, you're the best of two people. Like, to me, that's a weird quote, right? Like, am I reading that wrong, or what is that quote supposed to mean?
0: No, I get, I get, I interpret it the same way as you. Like, I think that it would it'd be like, I don't know,
3: it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So well, I, Ryan, I hadn't words missed it. I sort of, you know, uh, yeah, I see what you guys are saying. But he's saying like you're so perfect. If there's no
2: another perfect person just like you, I'd still cho- choose you. You know, it's like, uh, you know, yeah, you true. and the perfect, the other you, just exact same. I, I like you. You're you. You know, it's like, obviously he means it in a positive way. So, wow. I'm reading the chat
1: box. i got some good questions from of my guests. Guest 25, I'm going to hire John. Your job's in Japan. I'm going to hire guest 25. He is a genius or she could be a genius. He says it could just mean he's very excited actually. Woo, are you a boy or a girl? Guest 25, please post in the chat box. Do you want to be on the call? Because you're in the call. Or I can speak to you if you want us to put you on the call. He says it could just mean, oh, he's at work. <laughs> guest 25, folks, working hard, folks. What country do you work in? I guess American is 232, probably. Um, what's your job? Anyway, it could just say that it means I love you more than your looks? Oh, Which is true. It's one of my has,
0: high school rivals. I, Teddy Folly. I used to race against him in high school.
1: Don't, don't mention his last name. He didn't get fired, John.
0: Oh, oh shit. My. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm
1: swearing
4: as well. Oh, whatever. <laughs> All right. Sorry.
1: It could be I love you more than your looks. That's a good point. Because she, I mean, a young lady, so it's a very good point. Saying, you know, maybe he should have just said, if I was blind, I would still propose to you. Um, a few other questions. Do you think that Bill Ayers could translate to the NCAA success? Um, I'll answer this question. I coached one of Ayres' better runners, Owen Campbell, in, in college, um, and the women of Aris's coaches who really haven't done much in college. Um, I think Aris, yes, he creates a good culture. Of course he can be a good college coach, but is he going to dominate and win 11 out of 12 national championships? No, that's not possible. When Bill Aris started the pro team, I went on record and said, this team is not going to be dominant. And he's like, what do you mean? Why not? And if you talk to Owen Temple, who ran 4-7 for, for Aris in high school, I was talking to him in the last year about this. He's like, oh, I thought that Bill was responsible for my, for my running, and I thought I was a super talent. I didn't realize that I, I was training way more than everybody else. I mean, he ran 1,000 miles in over a 10-week period in high school. So if you train at a college level, you can produce at a college level of success in high school. So you can out-train people easily at the high school level. At the college level, you can't. There's lots of people running 100 miles a week. At the same time, there's one lot of high
2: school programs trying to train at that level, and he still wins. So. Oh,
1: no, he's incredible. But at the women's level, you can kind of, I don't want to say stunt or growth, but women's level is a little bit different. The man. I think he could be a very, very good college coach, um, but it's like anything. How many national titles did, did Mark Wetmore win at Seton Hall? Answer zero. Um, you have to have, you know, the ta- you have to have the talent. There's a lot of great college coaches that aren't winning national championships because they aren't at the big pool. Um, you know, it's like Bill Belichick. No one thought he was a genius at Cleveland, and now he's a genius at and, and, um, New England it's like George Seifert the football coach no one thought he was a genius when he was at Cornell coaching the big red football team and got fired after two or three years and yet he won the Super Bowl so when people say oh yeah you know you didn't make it to NCA Robert do you not think you could be a good coach uh, no I'm still arrogant I'm not quite as arrogant as when I started but I'm still pretty darn arrogant I love you John Kellogg you're the best we found on the website to promote you um, anyways Big advantage, oh, John Galt was a nice quote. High school creates a professional environment. That environment already exists in many of the top NCAA programs, that's true. Um, If you give all of the top NCAA coaches a team of seven runners of equal talent and two years to train them, who do you think wins? That's a great question. John Kellogg doesn't want to do that. John Kellogg's question is, he always wants to get like 50 years at age 13 and he wants them to be taken away from the families and given the, given the coaches in like a double-blind placebo thing, and then you develop them over 10 years. So um, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but, you know, it's interesting. Because some you're coaching people for the long term, short term, stuff like that. Sarah um, Hall apparently is racing a like half marathon in Japan. Time prediction? I would predict a PR. She's insane. I mean, she's amazing. What is her PR? Does anyone have any idea? Going mm-hmm. to my favorite website, Tillisopshow
2: dot I'm boycotting looking up any stats for at least the day. I, know, I, I feel like I Elosopcia. can't even
0: do my job anymore. I'm just gonna be going to all athletics reflexively for the next week until I adjust to this new reality.
2: So terrible.
0: She ran she broke seventy
1: minutes for the first time, sixty nine thirty seven in Copenhagen That's a sick race last year. So that was a really fast race. Ooh, I'm going to go 6924 is your official prediction. 6924 for Cheryl. Sure. Um, well, I guess 31 likes are ideas Take the kids. It's like pro soccer development. You take the kids into the groups. We'll start a house and have them. Anyway, guys, Super Saturday tomorrow. tomorrow. Um, We've back. But one thing we haven't looked forward to is the rest of the year. No global championships. We've got World indoors, but no outdoor championships. With no outdoor championships, no world cross. You know, is it all about the marathon? Can well and Ruffwell, can Ketogia win in London? Is the world record going to fall? How, how Hersey and Flanagan is going to do in Boston? Or are there other things you're looking forward to? To me, I'm most excited about the marathon. That is number one. The second thing I'm into is like what? I don't remember what it was like in 2014, but I was thinking about this today. We have no excuses. You don't have a world to get ready for. I don't want Schumacher's guys racing twice all summer. I don't want Jager barely running a steeplechase. I want people going for American records. I want Jager going sub-eight, and I want him racing at least four Diamond League steeplechases. There's no reason to worry, not to worry about getting burned out. If you get burned out, who cares? When you get, it, when you get going and you feel going, you're going well, hit it hot. Hop into two steeples and see what happens. Same thing with Centralitz. I want to see a sub 330. I want to see something like that. Go for the times. That's what I'm interested in. I want to see the hot time chases by you know, people like that. I would pay a lot of money. I would crowdsource it $50,000, $100,000 for the winner. I would love to see Emma Coburn race Jimmy Simpson in the steeple chase. I know that's not going to happen. Jonathan, what do you want to see this year?
0: Uh, I'm in the same boat. I want to see people taking shots at records. You know, I was I pulled up before this podcast the list of world records. All right, 100, 200, that's not happening. 400, 800, that's not happening. 1,500. I've heard Elijah Manningoy is interested in the world record. It's 326 flat. That's hard, but we've seen people come close to it the last couple of years, the last few years. You know, Silas Kiplagat ran 327 a few years ago. Uh, Adel Kiprop ran 326. I think Manning Goy is a massive talent. I'd like to see him take a crack at that. Uh, I, I think that uh, Concezlis Capruto in the steeplechase, he can get – he can definitely break eight minutes. I think 753 is, is possible if he gets in the right race. That guy's a monster talent. Uh, I want to see Chalimo trying to go sub-13. I want to see him go off the, the American record in the 5K. I think that's possible. Um, Centuritz, sub-330 in the 1500 can he do that you know look at the women's side i think that women's steeplechase world record is definitely going to be under assault because you've seen a bunch of women run under nine minutes uh in recent years that women's 5k record how in the world is that still on the books it's 1411 you've had almas ayana you've had Genzebe dababa chasing that it's going to be the 10-year anniversary of that record um coming up in june I've got to think this is the year it goes down, right, if O'Beary's healthy and Ayanna's healthy and that sort of thing. Testa um, Semenya, come on. The time has come. Let's make a few real concerted attempts. Get some really good 400 runners to pace you. You know, I would say if you look at when Gusebi Jababa broke the world record in the 1500, she had Chanel Price, who was the reigning world indoor champion as her rabbit in that race. I would say get some really good, 400 runner and see what Semenya can do. Uh, obviously that's a bit controversial though because you know obviously some people don't think Semenya should be competing and you know the that will probably it would lead to some outrage. But I think she can run much faster than she has. So see what she can do there. And you know you got Mary Katani going after the world record in London in the marathon. Kipchoge. I'm guessing if he goes back to Berlin or wherever he runs this fall, he'll probably take a shot at. So, yeah, let's see some records. And like you said, I want people racing out there. I don't want them holding up at altitude for the whole summer, and some of that doesn't mean anything. I still think it's dumb that we don't have world championships this year. By the way, I don't see any good reason why not to have them. But
3: uh, since we don't have them, I want to see people trying to run fast. Anything you want to add, Logan, about what you're looking forward to? I want to see Evan Jager go under eight minutes in the steeple. I want
2: to see a steeple world record. I'm ready for the steeple world record. I just started thinking, I want to see steeple. It's cool to see Jager go after early before maybe Concessless gets there because that race where Jager fell, he was going to run like 756. You're not that far off from the record then. So is any faster than he was then? Could he even get down there? I really want to see Boston this year. Um, The men's race will be good, but the women, sort of all the American but the London Marathon men's and women, is just going to be unbelievable. So I'm looking forward to that, but the track, I want to see the world record in the steeple. I mean, there's a bunch of other events John said, but the men's steeple for me is sort of one of my favorites. Let's get that out there. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, one thing I think that would be great would be if they would announce like, you know, what about the sport? You know, why don't, why doesn't Schumacher get with Caputo's coach and say, We're going to do it in Paris? Or, or the meet director get with us and say, We're going to do it in this race. I mean, then you kind of, the problem is, then you kind of have to pick for that race. But, you know, the 5,000, let's get the best women in it and not have one Adidas athlete try it in one race and another Nike athlete try a different race. Do it in the same race, head to head. You know, that would be exciting. We could have like a mini world. We could have a mini world. You know, Monaco is generally the 1,500, and then Paris could be the steeple, you know so we have something to focus on. It wouldn't be that hard for the IWAF to take a lead on this and kind of, you know, do it like that, you know. It would be kind of interesting. And one thing about the London Marathon, everyone says Mary Katani's going for the world record. I mean, Ternus Jababa was our world-ranked number one marathoner last year, and she's... Um, yeah,
2: she may get... I thought about two, that, too. She, she, she may get to work. World.
1: And if she gets it, then she's the G-O-A-T. So, you know, pretty fascinating. One thing I was thinking about... Uh, when Katani's name came up. One thing we didn't really talk about was the world rankings. And I know we named our U.S. runner of the year a female and we gave it to um, Emma Coburn. And I know you guys were kind of debating. No, we gave it not, to Shalane we, we Flanagan. We over Emma Coburn. And I know there was some debate between you guys. I know mean, you asked me what I thought. And I thought Flanagan should get it. And one thing I, I don't think anyone's mentioned, you know, some people say, well, Shalane got lucky because Mary Katani you know, had a period, to be honest, and was off her game. But that's not a good argument for why Shailene should be ranked number one in the U.S. as a runner of the year for 2017. I mean, come on. Which is more unlikely? So Mary Cancane getting her period, which happens like once every 28, 30 days, or a woman missing the water jump. Emma Coburn got way more lucky than Shailene Flanagan did. I mean, that happens once in a lifetime, not once a month. So random out there, there, folks. Um, my other random thought is the New York NYRR Millrose. you want to get props to the New York Roadrunners. runners. Now they there Millrose would probably be dead. They put in all the money for the elite races for most of it. But it's kind of like a weird thing, because Millrose is technically the name of a company. I guess it's bankrupt. So when you have the N R R Millrose game, it'd be kind of like saying this is the McDonald's Chick fil A bowl, right? Isn't that weird? Wait, what is what what is Millrose? What kind of company is it? It's the N-Y-R-R Milrose game. Isn't Milrose – wasn't that like a company? I know Wanamaker Mile was a company.
3: Wanamaker was a company. I'm not sure actually what Milrose means. I hadn't thought about that. Nope. You know what, no. Oh, the Milrose games began in eight
2: when it's parent, The Milrose Athletic Association – this is formed by Wikipedia – it's from Wikipedia, it was formed as a recreational club for the employees of the John Wanamaker Department Store.
3: Oh, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Okay, Millrose
2: was the name of the country home of Rodman Wanamaker. There it is, folks. The history of the naming of Wanamaker. So yeah, Wanamaker's gone. Um, wonder what happened to the Wanamaker Department Store. The Amazon
1: Millrose Games, folks.
2: Soon to be the Amazon. Story. Quickly, so what else do I want to see in two
3: thousand eighteen? Philadelphia Eagles, Super Bowl championship. Oh just kidding. Sorry, John. I don't I actually not sure who I'm rooting for. Well, I'm glad, uh, Robert's rooting for the Patriots and I'm obviously rooting for the
0: Patriots. So uh yeah. Well, two
4: we're going
1: to share some inside info. Last year, folks, two were the world's most prominent running journalists, Chris Lossbaum and Jonathan Galt, both went to the Super Bowl, folks. What Patriots fan? Guest thirty-one saying, "Go Birds!" It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a great day tomorrow. I don't know. Hopefully, baby's not crying so I can watch all this stuff. I mean, you pretty much just open up your computer. You're going to have to subscribe to that USATF Plus. It looks like you get the uh, USA XC and then the um, Camel City race is probably worth it. There's also
0: a free – the IAF has announced a free live stream of the Calls through meet, which has a few good distance races as well. So that's going to be good. Yeah.
1: And I would love to see um, uh, Eric Swenson get the 800 standard there. And that 3,000 is going to be sick. I want to see how good Kajelcha is. But we kind of put the things in, in order for you in the preview. You can just go, scroll down, and then you can read our first weekend preview, and then after that stuff's over, go to Millrose. So it's going to be an all-day of action Super Saturday, um, should be great. So it's good to be back in the fold, guys. Um, a shout out to all the women that have had babies. I don't know how Nick Willis clearly this isn't his first baby. His wife gave birth to because he's been competing. Like if I had a mass baby, I'd be running like five miles a week. I mean, I don't know how they do it. So, anyways, um, any parting comments?
3: I think I we've think gone on, on quite long enough, to be
1: honest. John, people, fans have been demanding it. The,
0: the, the collars have been oh, It's been great.
1: We have the same collars that stayed in
2: throughout. So. I'm, if anyway, we, all the way we through, didn't even I, take I'm the collars.
3: We need a new system, so we can verify the collars. Screen the collars better. It's always good when we take collars. We're going to do this more regularly. All right, sign off, Robert. Sign off. For let's run.com,
1: this is Jonathan Galt and Weldon Johnson. This is Robert Johnson. Thank you for joining us with another edition of Let's Run's Track Talk. People have been demanding that we do it weekly. Maybe we could. We could do like the week it was, put it out on Tuesday and then maybe Tuesday night or something. Wednesday when nothing, maybe Wednesday so we can have an idea of what's going on next week. Start doing a weekly show. I've always said the podcast, there's no ads. How am I making money? Now that I have kids, I've got I to gotta feed them. Feed me is, easy, is what I would say. Anyways. For the rest of the staff, this is Robert Johnson signing off. Thank you for joining us, and have a hope you enjoy the action tomorrow.
3: Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic
0: when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere.